The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 51 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two espionage episodes of Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy. We'll begin after this short break. Movie actor Brian Donlevy came to NBC Radio in 1949 to star as Steve Mitchell, a globe-trotting secret agent working for our government. International espionage was the main theme of this action-packed series. Each episode found Mitchell being summoned to the office of the commissioner, a nameless administrator who was part of a Big Brother-type government agency enforcing law and order abroad. Mitchell's usual assignment was to infiltrate various hotbeds of terrorism and thwart forces against America. Radio veteran Herb Butterfield co-starred as the commissioner. The West Coast's best supporting actors were heard, including William Conrad, Paul Fries, Virginia Gregg, Kathy Lewis, Harry Bartell, Joseph Kearns, and Tony Barrett. The radio run lasted until 1953. Don Levy invested his own money in a TV series based on the radio show reprising his role as Steve Mitchell. In the 39 TV episodes that were produced, Herb Butterfield was seen as the commissioner and featured many of the same supporting actors from the radio series. Time now for the first of two espionage episodes of Dangerous Assignment. In this first story, secret agent Steve Mitchell flies to Paris to investigate the murders of several millionaires. Here's Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy from August 6, 1949. The National Broadcasting Company brings you Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell in... Dangerous Assignment. Time, 10 p.m. The place, the spacious drawing room of a villa in the south of France overlooking the Mediterranean. A stout man in a velvet dressing gown sits at the piano, his stubby fingers gliding expertly over the keys. Come in, Philippe. Oh, I, I thought you were Philippe, my butler. You were wrong, Goranko. Who are you? And how did you get into my villa? I'm called Dominic, and I walked in. But what do you want? Only a trifle, Goranko. Your life. What? 
Such a discord. seen him in such pictures as Canyon Passage, American Romance, and The Great McGinty. Now, here is our star, Brian Don Levy, on another two-fisted portrayal as Steve Mitchell in Dangerous Assignment. Well, here he is, Commissioner. Guess where I found him. Uh, on second thought, better not guess. Steve? Hello, Commissioner. Well, where am I going this time? Paris. Paris. Hey, uh, what was her name now? Don't count on that, Steve. And no horse races either. Hmm. This isn't a pleasure trip. It's strictly business and dangerous business. <laughs> I might have known. Okay, Commissioner, let's have it. Steve, last week a man fell down an elevator shaft in Bombay. Died instantly. Five days ago, a private plane crashed near Stockholm. The owner also died instantly. Oh, so there have been a couple of accidents around the world. What's that got to do with me? We thought they were accidents at first, but night before last, a third man was murdered in his villa in the south of France, shot to death while sitting at his piano. <laughs> Can anyone play that bad? Steve, there's a tie-in between these three men, one that's tremendously important to us. These dead men were all millionaires in their own countries. Two weeks ago, seven of them met to plan a giant merger. What kind of a merger? They pooled all their capital to form a holding company which would finance industrial expansion in backward countries. I see. We believe that interests hostile to the plan are obstructing it. Well, sounds like a pretty effective way to obstruct it, all right. Killing off the partners. You say there were seven originally. That leaves four now. Three. Last night, the killer struck again. What? In Paris. Two of the partners had dinner together. Marcel Laborde and the American, Scott Wheeler. As they left the cafe, they were fired on. Laborde was killed. You know, I'm beginning to think you've got a nice, safe job picked out for me, Commissioner. I get to play bodyguard, huh? As usual, you'll pose as a foreign correspondent after an interview with the American, Scott Wheeler. Actually, your job is to protect him and the other surviving partners and to get to the bottom of these killings. Where is this Scott Wheeler staying? At the Hotel Brevon. That will be your first stop in Paris. Mm, Ruth got my press credentials and passport ready. And your plane ticket. You take off in two hours. Steve, we don't want anything to interfere with the plans of these men. Those killings have got to be stopped. That's your assignment, Steve. Good luck. Welcome to Hotel Bravon, monsieur. Uh, what type of accommodation would you prefer? I'll let you know later. Right now, I'd like the number of Scott Wheeler's room here. I beg your pardon. Hmm? Oh, hello. You wish to see Mr. Wheeler? That's right. May I ask your name? You may. I'm Steve Mitchell. I'm a foreign correspondent. Oh, hello. I'm Martha Vaughn. May I see your credentials? Uh, your, mm -hmm. your press credentials. May I please see them? Oh, yes, I guess so. I don't quite understand. I'm Scott Wheeler's secretary. Oh, oh, sure. Here they are. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. It's just that we don't wish to take any chances, particularly after the recent attempt on Mr. Wheeler's life. Matter of fact, that's what I want to interview him about. Oh? All right. I'll take you up to his suite, if you don't mind. Should I mind? 
Sir? Uh, we miss you. That man who was just here, he was Steve Mitchell? Um, oui, he was a friend of yours. In a way, thank you. Uh, monsieur, you wish to leave a message for him? No. I will deliver it to him later, in person. On in, Mr. Mitchell. Thank you. Hello, Martha. Hello, Martha. Well, Mr. Wheeler, this is Steve Mitchell. He's a foreign correspondent from the United States. Hello. Glad to know you, Mitchell. Meet my associate, Gordon Hemsley. Hi. How do you do? Well, I'll be running along, Wheeler. Ring me up as soon as Voorhees arrives, will you? Okay. Uh, good day, gentlemen. Well, what can I do for you, Mitchell? Well, I believe he'd like a story about the shooting night before last, Mr. Wheeler. That's right. There's not much to tell. Labord and I had dinner together, took a walk afterward. Labord felt like a cognac, so we stopped in a little place called La Patate. La Patate? Yes. That's slang for potato, isn't it? Yes. They think of some strange names for their bars. Anyway, we had a drink and left. Just as we went out the door, I heard some quick footsteps behind us. I started to turn around. The next thing I knew, one bullet whistled by my ear, another one hit Labord and killed him. I see. I'd uh, like to take a look at this bar uh, where the shooting took place. La Patate? Yeah, where is it? Well, it's sort of a hard place to find. Martha, why don't you show Mitchell where it is? All right with you, Mitchell. I can't think of a guide I'd rather have, Mr. Wheeler. Thank you. <laughs> I'll try not to get you lost, Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> Would that be bad? Come on. This is the potato. <laughs> Sounds like a hot potato right now. That's some music. <laughs> That's what they call le jazz haut, Mr. Mitchell. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> you know, I've got one rule with all my guides, Martha. Mm -hmm. They call me Steve. <laughs> all right. You sound like you've had a lot of guides, Steve. <laughs> I get lost easily. Oh. You uh, worked for Mr. Wheeler very long, Martha? What? Uh, about a year. Like it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You seem to be talking about me all of a sudden, Steve. I thought it was the attempt on Mr. Wheeler's life you were interested in. <laughs> I've got a two-track mind. <laughs> okay, I'll get back on track one. Now, as I get it, Wheeler and Laborde came here, had one drink, and left. Yes, the shooting took place right outside. Apparently someone followed... What's the matter? So Steve, that little man who just walked by. What? Oh, the gent with squeaky shoes? What about him? Well, I've noticed him hanging around the lobby of our hotel lately. What? Yes, and night before last, just after Mr. Wheeler and Laborde went out to dinner, he left too. Hey, maybe we should have a talk with him. Steve, look, he saw us watching him. He's going out the front door. Come on. I wonder... What? Nothing, nothing. We'll talk about it later. There he goes in that cab. Come on, there's another cab over here. Yeah. Driver? Uh, we miss you, taxi cab, huh? Yeah. That cab, hightailing it down the street. Don't let it out of your sight. Let's go. Squeaky Shoes knows he's being followed, all right. That cab of his is really traveling. Steve, look. He's stopping in front of that building in the next block. Yeah. He's running inside. Driver, pull up behind that other cab. Oui, monsieur. Hey, what kind of a building is this, anyway? What? It's a museum, Steve. Museum? Okay, we'll look inside. Hello, 
Some museum, Martha. Looks like King Arthur's round table. Uh, we're in the medieval room, Steve. The uh, armor, the weapons, and the tapestries are all from the Middle Ages. Uh, uh, too many places for squeaky shoes to hide. Look at all those drapes. You've got to be in here somewhere, Steve. Uh, unless there's a back door to this place. I didn't think of that. Boy, <laughs> these suits of armor really must have been comfortable on a hot day. <laughs> Look at the battle axe with this suit. Yeah, it reminds me of a lot of old mother-in-law jokes. Well, come on, let's go. Steve, watch out! Huh? The armor, the battle axe, it's falling. Hey. Oh. Steve, Steve, you all right? Yeah. Oh. I almost got a haircut the hard way. Look, help me get this tin tuxedo off me. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, Somebody behind the drape shoved it over. He's probably long gone by now. Well, come on, Martha. Let's go back to Wheeler's suite. Mr. Wheeler, I think it's time we laid a few cards on the table. I'm not just after a story. I've been assigned to investigate these killings. Here are my credentials. I see. Mr. Wheeler, in that case, I'd better tell Mr. Mitchell what I was going to tell you. What do you mean, Martha? The little man with the squeaky shoes. Yesterday, I saw him at the door to Mr. Hemsley's suite, like he'd just come out. What? You sure about that, Martha? Later, I saw him go into a rooming house across the street. Hmm. Mr. Wheeler, this squeaky shoes boy could be the one who took a shot at you and Laborde the other night. But what would he be doing in Hemsley's room? I don't know. Yet. Come on, Martha. Let's take a look at that rooming house. I think this is it, Steve. Looks like a real dive, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but at least it's a convenient location just across the street from Hemsley's Hotel. You think there is some connection between them, Steve? Let's go in. Fresh air would really smell funny in here. There don't seem to be any rooms downstairs, Steve. Come on, we'll try the stairway. Steve, wait. You hear that? Yeah. Squeaky shoes. There he is at the head of the stairs. Hey, you. Wait a minute. I want to talk to you. Just... Hey, what's the matter with you? Steve, he's bleeding. He's grabbing at his chest. Wait, Martha. Here he comes. Holy smoke. Steve, is he still breathing? Not anymore. In just a moment, our star, Brian Donlevy, returns as Steve Mitchell in Dangerous Assignment. Today, the armed forces of the United States are concerned with hundreds of contributions to the activities of peace. America's forces are scientific forces devoted largely to the training of scientists and technicians specialists in the techniques that make for better living in peacetime. Yes, America's armed forces constitute the world's greatest scientific enterprise. And to man that enterprise, the services are seeking suitable trainees capable of profiting from education and capable of leadership and responsibility. For the right men, the armed forces offer a whole world of technical training, training for the service and for the future. So if you're thinking of an active career, an educational career, a vital career... Think of the Armed Forces of the United States.
the National Broadcasting Company brings you Act Two of Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell. The time, 30 seconds later. Steve and Martha have run up the stairs and are searching the dead man's room. Nothing here that I can see, Steve. Uh, killer must have gone out the window, Martha. Still open. Well, let's go on back. Uh, Steve. Hmm? Looks like the doorway is occupied. Hmm? Oh. I'm Inspector Brizard of the Surete. Your name, monsieur? Steve Mitchell. I'm a foreign correspondent. This is Miss Martha Vaughan. Mademoiselle? Inspector? Monsieur, what connection exists between you and the dead man downstairs? Connection? <laughs> None at all. Then what are you doing in his room? Trying to find the guy who stabbed him a couple of minutes ago. And you do not know the dead man at all? I don't even know the guy's name. It is Dominique. Dominique? That's supposed to mean something to me? It does to most of the police in Europe, monsieur. Dominique was a hired killer. Oh? Uh, do you happen to know who his last boss was? No, monsieur. But we had heard Dominique was in Paris and had trailed him here. As you see, a few moments too late. Yeah. Well, look, Inspector, this is all very nice. But if you'll excuse me, I have a transatlantic call to put in. You say you are a foreign correspondent, uh, Monsieur Mitchell. That's why the telephone call. My boss likes to hear from me now and then. Monsieur, perhaps your interest in this affair is greater than the procuring of a mere story, and perhaps not. Well, you've covered all the possibilities, Inspector. In any case, you will please keep yourself available for questioning. Paris is a big city, monsieur, but I am quite capable of finding you should you choose to hide. Kindly do not put me to the trouble. Yes, sir. It's Steve calling from Paris, Commissioner. He's on the line now. Good. Hello? Hello, Commissioner. Steve, how are you doing? Who knows? <laughs> a few hours ago, I had a near miss with a battle axe. What? Uh, no one you know. Now, Steve. No, I mean literally, Commissioner. I had a hot lead for a while, a hired killer who needed a new pair of shoes. His name was Dominic. Was? Yeah. Somebody with a sharp knife beat me to him. Hmm. And the other lead, Steve? Well, there may be a tie-in between Dominic and the Englishman, Gordon Hemsley, what? one of the partners. Yeah, that's right. Nothing definite on him yet. There's still someone missing from the party, a third surviving partner, Carl Voorhees. He's supposed to arrive from Amsterdam tomorrow. Tomorrow? Why, Steve, we have information that Voorhees has been in Paris for two days. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, incidentally, Commissioner, I wish you'd check on the exact terms of that merger. All right, Steve. Why? Oh, just a hunch I'm working on. Cable what information you can get to me at the Hotel Bravant. I'm on my way back there now to talk to Wheeler again. Mitchell, I'm no hero. If I'd known what this merger was going to mean, I'd never have gone into it in spite of the good I know it'll do. But it's too late to back out now. All the papers have been signed. I think you should leave Paris, Mr. Wheeler. Don't worry. As soon as this meeting's over, I'm going to. What's the timetable on the meeting, Mr. Wheeler? Uh, Voorhees is coming in tomorrow from Amsterdam. He, Hemsley, and I are meeting tomorrow night around 10 to set a few final details. Then the quicker I get out of Paris, the better. Who? I'll go, Mr. Wheeler. Who is it, please? Carl Voorhees. Voorhees? 
Good evening, Wheeler. Hello, Voris. I wasn't expecting you until tomorrow. I decided to come tonight. You know Martha? Uh, for then? This is Steve Mitchell, a foreign correspondent. Hello, Mania Mitchell. Uh, you say you just got in, Mr. Voorhees? Ah, uh, an hour ago. That's funny. I heard you got in two days ago. That is a lie. Is it? Mine here, Mitchell. My affairs are no concern of yours. Uh, where are you staying, Boris? At the Continental. Oh, just across the street. Well, it's too late to get anything done tonight, Boris. Uh, where's Hemsley? Hemsley? He's staying at the Splendide. I suggest we meet here in my suite tomorrow night. How about 9.30? Mm, yeah. I see you then, Rita. Uh, good night. Good night, Fräulein. And mine here, Mitchell. Good night. I wonder what he's been doing those two days he's been here. So do I. Mr. Mitchell, I'm worried. I'd appreciate it if you'd be here tomorrow night for that meeting also. Might be a good idea. If you could get here before the rest come, say, a little before nine. Okay. Well, I'm going over to see your partner, Gordon Hemsley. You better stay in your room all day tomorrow, Mr. Wheeler. I'll see you tomorrow night, about a quarter to nine. Really, Mr. Mitchell, I can't say I relish being disturbed this late at night. Just because you want some sort of silly interview. Well, I'd like at least to get a statement from you, Mr. Hemsley. Seven of you put through a merger. So far, four partners have been killed. That leaves just three of you. Yourself, Wheeler, and Voorhees. Oh, I'll get it, Mr. Hemsley. Right home. Uh, very well, Mr. Mitchell, I'll give you a statement. This merger will accomplish a great deal of good. I personally intend to carry it through regardless of threats or any consequences to me. Uh, speaking of threats... Can you throw any light on the death of a hired killer named Dominic? Dominic? I, uh, I, I don't know anyone by that name. Don't you? He was seen outside your room shortly before he was killed. Why, I... Uh, uh, Mr. Hensley. Yes? It's Voorhees on the telephone. He said when he was here this afternoon, he forgot to ask... Voorhees here? Never mind, never mind. I'll take the call. Uh, you have your statement, Mr. Mitchell. Would you please excuse me? Sure. And thanks. See you around. I wish I'd set this meeting earlier. What time is it, Mitchell? Two minutes to nine, Wheeler. Oh, uh, care for another drink? Thanks. Wheeler, you ever hear of a thing called a squeeze pipe? Squeeze pipe? Oh, here's your drink. Mm, thanks. How uh, sure are you of your partners, Hemsley and Voorhees? What are you getting at, Mitchell? They met yesterday afternoon. What does that mean? I'm not sure yet. Well, I wish I'd never gotten into this deal in the first place. Come on, let's go into the drawing room. It's a little more cheerful in there. Okay. Incidentally, I've been meaning to ask you. You say you hired Martha about a year ago. That's right. Who recommended her to you? Let's see. Why, it was Hemsley. Uh-huh. Uh, after you, Mitchell. Uh, where are the lights, Wheeler? Over on the other wall. Okay, I'll get you. Uh, Wheeler, 
Hey, you're bleeding. Shot. Shoulder, I think. What happened? Don't know. Saw someone hit you on the head. I tried to dodge. Shot me in the shoulder. Then you ran out. Okay. Ought to be a doctor in the hotel. I'll yes. get him. Then I'll call the police. Monsieur Mitchell, once again I find you at the scene of a crime. Believe me, Inspector, it was not my choice either time. Uh, you say you were unconscious when Monsieur Wheeler was shot. Have you any idea how long you were unconscious? Just a few seconds. I heard the clock start to strike nine as I walked into this room, and it was still striking when I came to. Uh, uh, that stain and broken glass on the carpet, uh, what do they represent? Well, part of the glass is from my wristwatch, I guess, and the rest of it. And the stain are from the drink I was holding in my hand when I got slugged. Steve, what's happened? Martha. Well, Hemsley. The gendarme at the door said something about a shooting, Mitchell. Yeah, Wheeler was shot. What? Oh, Steve, is he, is he still alive? Yeah, yeah, he's in the next room with the doctor. He's going to be all right. I just think it's a flesh room. Oh, well, that's good news. Is it, Hemsley? What do you mean by that, Mitchell? Skip it. Uh, permit me, I am Inspector Brizac of the Surete. Did you two come over here together? I know. We, well, we just happened to arrive together, Inspector. I see. My, my room is just down the hall. Permit me to inquire as to your movement for the past hour. What? Well, I, I was in my room reading. And Mademoiselle has a, a witness? What? No. Hmm. And you, Monsieur Hemsley? Uh, uh, Wheeler had scheduled a meeting for 9.30. I waited in my hotel until it was time to come over. Then I... I came over. So, incidentally, where's Carl Voorhees? Why, I expected to find him here for the meeting. I will answer. Brizac speaking. Oui, Giraud. What is that? So, you are sure of the time? Merci. At nine o'clock, Monsieur Voorhees called room service for some ice. When the boy arrived, five minutes later, he found Voorhees with a bullet through his heart. It is indeed a perplexing case, Mitchell. Our killer moves very fast. He shoots Monsieur Wheeler and kills Monsieur Voorhees all in the space of ten minutes. Yeah. Of course, for he slipped just down the street from Wheeler. Mm. Oh, it is my turn to buy the drinks, Mr. Oh, I've still got some here. I think I'll just have a little ice in it. As you prefer. Hey. Monsieur? How long has it been since our last drink? Uh, oh, 20, perhaps 30 minutes. Yeah. Look, Inspector. You asked me about that stain on the carpet of Wheeler's drawing room. I said it was broken glass and liquor. That is correct, Mitchell. Was there any ice on the carpet? Uh, no, no, there was not. Hmm. Inspector, half an hour ago, I got a cable from the commissioner. Here, take a look at it. Hmm. Terms of merger such that in event of one partner's death, his voting interest passes to survivors. Mm -hmm. Now, if you'll round up everyone in Wheeler's room in a few minutes, I think I can deliver you one grade A killer. How's the shoulder, Mr. Wheeler? Coming along, but I don't understand the purpose of this meeting. What's it all about, Steve? Yes, being summoned here like, like fugitives from justice. Monsieur Mitchell is host at this gathering. He will explain. And I'll make it short. 
The person who shot Mr. Wheeler in the shoulder and killed Voorhees is undoubtedly the same one who hired Dominic to kill the other partners. You mean one man behind this whole thing, Steve? One man or woman, Martha. Hmm? I'd like to show you how that killer arranged the shootings tonight. Mr. Wheeler, this clock that was striking when I got slugged, has it been running okay lately? Why, yes, it has. Matter of fact, Martha took it to be fixed a couple of days ago. I see. Well, I don't see, Steve. What are you driving at? When I got knocked out, the clock was striking nine. When I came to, it was still striking. So I figured I'd just been out a few seconds. Actually, I was unconscious nearly 20 minutes. Long enough for the killer to get to Voorhees Hotel, kill him, come back, reset the clock, and then shoot himself in the shoulder. What? I say. Watch about it, Monsieur Wheeler. I'm afraid Mr. Mitchell's imagination is working overtime. Mitchell, do you actually think I'd shoot myself? If the stakes were high enough, and in this deal they are. You'd already knocked off four of your partners. That left only Voorhees and Hemsley in your way. I say, Voorhees and I were getting a little suspicious of Wheeler. We met yesterday afternoon to talk about it. My patience with your sense of humor is wearing thin, Mitchell. You're making a lot of statements that would be very difficult to prove. You're wrong there. I can prove most of them with the help of just one... Ice cube. Ice cube? Yeah. When I came to, all the ice in my drink had melted. Yet just now, down in the bar, it took the ice in my drink almost 20 minutes to melt. Well, Monsieur Wheeler? I... But it'd be kind of hard to explain that away, wouldn't it, Wheeler? Wouldn't it? I have nothing to say until I've seen my lawyers. Oh, that can be easily arranged, Monsieur. They will find it easy to locate you. You will be in prison. Going to have some time to play in Paris, Steve? I'm afraid not, Martha. Too bad. Take a look at the newspaper. It's full of things to do, places to go. We could have a lot of fun. <laughs> you don't have to sell me on that. I... Hey, hmm? look at this picture of the horse race. Well, what about it? Well, the horses are running in the wrong direction. What? Oh, <laughs> no, that's the way they do over here, Steve. The horses run clockwise instead of counterclockwise, like in the States. You know something? What? I think I'd better stay here a couple of days after all. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. The way I pick horses, I could clean up a fortune. Oh. Mine always run backwards. Just heard the fifth in an exciting new adventure series, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Don Levy as Steve Mitchell. Dangerous Assignment is written by Bob Reif and directed by Bill Karn, with music by Bruce Ashley. Be with us again next week at this same time when Brian Don Levy, starring as Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. <laughs> this is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Dangerous Assignment with Investigate Millionaire Murder Conspiracy, starring Brian Donlevy from August 6, 1949. Also in the cast, Herb Butterfield, Betty Moran, Jack Edwards, Jay Novello, Tony Barrett, 
Norman Field, Eric Snowden, and future Perry Mason actor Raymond Burr as heard over NBC. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another episode of Dangerous Assignment after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, secret agent Steve Mitchell is sent to Portugal to find a woman who may be involved with subversive groups against our country. Here's Assignment in Portugal, starring Brian Donlevy on Dangerous Assignment from March 25th, 1953. Assignment. Transcribed starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though, trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I can't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with me trying to decide whether I'd rather get run over or shot. Commissioner, you sent for me? Steve, I'm putting you on the trail of a young lady. Hey, this must be my lucky day. A very beautiful lady, I might add. Here's her picture. This gets better as it goes along. Tell me more, Commissioner. Her name is Antonina Aguirre. She entered the United States illegally after the war, was picked up by immigration officials a short time ago, and is now being sent back to Portugal. At the moment, she's on a boat in the mid-Atlantic, bound for Lisbon. So I'll be there when the boat docks, huh? Why? You're to follow her, Steve. Find out what she's up to. What makes you think she's up to anything? Yesterday, the immigration department made a rather puzzling discovery, Steve. They learned that the anonymous tip they had received, the one that led to the girl's arrest, had been set up by the girl herself. Why? We got to work on it right away and found out that she'd been seen on several occasions with a man named Louis Cortese, a man who has, from time to time, been connected with several subversive groups in this country. Get over there, Steve. Pick up Antonina Aguirre's trail at a boat docks in Lisbon and find out what this maneuver is all about. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another dangerous assignment. 
Thursday evening brings a host of entertainment over this NBC radio station. There's comedy fun with the Andersons when Robert Young portrays the title role on Father Knows Best. Roy Rogers brings western music and adventure from the Double R Bar Ranch in Paradise Valley. Ralph Edwards adds to the fun with an hilarious laugh-filled session of truth or consequences. And Eddie Cantor presents another edition of his show business show. Judy Canova stars in a fun-packed adventure at Cactus Junction. And the entire evening bubbles over with wonderful radio entertainment. So, make it a date to hear all of these enjoyable programs every Thursday night on most NBC stations. Sure, I've got my assignment. Get over to Portugal and meet a certain boat when it docks at Lisbon. All I have to do is keep my eye on a passenger named Antonina Aguirre and find out why she's had herself deported from the U.S. and what her tie-in is with the Bursa groups in this country. It's late Friday afternoon when my plane lands and I hustle over to the docks. The boat pulls in a couple of hours later. I wait around another 15 minutes, and then I spot Antonina trotting down the gangway. Two representatives of the law meet her, and there's a brief conference. Papers are signed, and finally she's sent on her way. An hour later, she's aboard a northbound train rolling out of Lisbon. I'm in the same car a few seats away. Howdy, Pilgrim. Is this seat taken? No, no, help yourself. Here, I'll move my coat. No, oh, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, I'll uh, just put my bag up here on the rack and I... <coughs> oh, 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 I step on your foot, neighbor. Mash your little piggies, did I? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Never <laughs> use that foot anyway. Sure does feel good to sit down. Yes, sir. Yeah, you are my crowd your Pilgrim. A fat boy like me needs a lot of room, you know. <laughs> Can I offer you a cigar? Thanks, no. Yeah, yes, sir. Always been a fat boy ever since I was knee-high to a stirrup back in Pertwee. Yeah. Only man I ever knew who was fatter, postman in the old hometown. He, he lost his job on account of it. Oh? Oh, yes, he was a fat one. He was. On hot days, he'd perspire so much that the steam would unglue all the letters. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name's Jessup, Sam Jessup. I uh, uh, travel in silks. It sounds real cooling. Hey, look at that pretty little senorita over yonder. One with a pink bonnet. Yeah, I've sort of had my eye on her, too. You have? Well, I'll tell you what, Pilgrim, I'll toss you for it. Huh? No, no, you go ahead. Well, there's the coat of the traveling man, you know. <laughs> you saw her first. I'll sign a release. Go ahead, start trolling. <laughs> That's right, decent of you, neighbor. Well, yeah, I go. seat next to Antonina, and Jessup plops into it. He goes into his pitch, but the girl isn't paying too much attention. Finally, it's easy to see she's getting annoyed, which is just how I figured it. I decide it's time to make my play, so I walk over to them. Pardon me, miss. Yes? Is this man annoying you? Oh, well, now, see here, Pilgrim. I... Is he, miss? Yes, senor. He is annoying me. In that well, case, Buster, you'd better be on your way. Well, by jingles, if I don't beat all, I, I, I never... I'm feet, Pilgrim. <sighs> Well, I've been Pearl Harbor, that's what. That's the sneakiest attack I ever did. Sure, sure. Now move on, huh? Move. <laughs> Code of the traveling man don't mean a thing anymore. Not a thing. Thank you, senor. It was very kind of you. Sometimes these Americans... Oh, I am sorry. Oh, that's okay. I have met so many very fine people in your country. Oh, you've been to America? Yes. 
I'm on my way home now. I come from Coimbra, a town to the north of here. Got a little lonesome for the old sights and familiar faces, huh? No, it is not that. My father has become ill. Someone should care for him. But you, senor, you have been here long? Uh, no, seems like I just stepped off the plane somehow. I'm here on business. Well, tell me about it. Well, I'd rather talk about the United States. You've been to California? To Hollywood? Hollywood, sure. Very good friend of mine lives there. Good old Daryl. Daryl Schwartz, he runs the meat market on Fairfax Avenue. Sweet fella. She wants to hear more about Hollywood, so I lean back and launch into a narrative that would have the California Chamber of Commerce drooling for a week. My uh, narrative runs down about ten miles later, and Antonina excuses herself to check on something in the baggage car. Well, it's my Quizlin friend, huh? Oh, hello, Jessup. Hey, you're piling up points, huh? Getting along first rate with a little filly? Eh, looks that way. Not sore, are you? Oh, I'm not one to hold grudge, Pilgrim. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm much obliged to you. Yes, sir, I admire your technique. I'm going to try it myself sometime. Hey, I say, the little filly ain't getting off here, is she? No, she just went back to the baggage room to, uh... Hey, wait a minute. This isn't Coimbra we're pulling into, is it? No, town up ahead's called Novantis. A uh, regular stop? Well, not unless somebody wants off. Why? Uh, excuse me, Jessup. I want to check on something. I hurry through the train towards the baggage car, and when I get there, the train has grown to a stop. No sign of Antonina. I stick my head out the door and look down the tracks, and then I spot her running past the depot. I take off after her on the double. I lose sight of her as I sprint around the station platform. I'm pretty sure she's headed into town, so I do likewise. It's, well, after midnight, and the streets are deserted, all of which makes it easy for me to pick her up again, but it seems someone else has the same idea. A car up ahead suddenly sweeps around the corner. A gent jumps out and grabs Antonina. You heard the lady, Buster. Let's go. Look out, Senora Knight. I'm doing my best to make him drop the stiletto and still keep an eye on Antonina, who is now starting to back away down the street. That's why I didn't notice the guy who slips up behind me and jumps on my back. We all land in a heap on the sidewalk. I'm just getting to my feet when a size 12 foot catches me under the chin. I topple back, crash through a wooden railing, and drop into somebody's cellar. again so soon. I got away from them. Hid and came back. Who were those gorillas? The one in the car I've not seen before. But the other one I saw a few times in America. He works for a man named Cortese. We already know quite a bit about Louis Cortese, Antonina. You know my name? Yeah, mine's Steve Mitchell. Here, you better take a look at my credentials. Oh, I see. First of all, why did you set yourself up for deportation? To get away from Cortese. The errands he forced me to do. What sort of errands? He came to see me at the office where I worked two months ago. He said he had known of me for some time, that I had entered the country illegally. He requested my cooperation. And if you refused, you would tip off the immigration boys, huh? I was frightened. I did not want to leave America, so I agreed to do what he asked. And that was to run an errand? 
Yes, he gave me an envelope. I was to deliver that envelope at 11 o'clock that night to a man who would be waiting on a street corner about two miles from my apartment. Two days later, Cortese contacted me again. Another envelope, but a different street corner. How many envelopes did you deliver? Two. The third one was stolen from me. Stolen? I'd never seen the man before. I was waiting at the corner one night when he jumped out of the shadows, ripped the purse out of my hands. I struggled with him, and then a passerby heard my cries and rushed up. The man got away. A few moments later, the police arrived. I see. What did Cortesa have to say about that? Oh, he was furious. He questioned me for a long time. Wanted to know about the man who had come to my rescue, what his name was. He seemed to think the man was implicated. What was this passerby's name, do you remember? Yes, Eduardo Podesta. About these envelopes you carried, did you ever look into them? Yes, the last one. The envelope contained several x-rays. X-rays? X-rays of what? Teeth. Teeth? Are you sure? Positive. Oh, brother. Just when all this was beginning to make sense, some guy has to shove his choppers into the act. Steve Mitchell will continue his dangerous assignment in just a moment. That a child may walk, that a soldier may live. That is the promise a pint of blood holds today. For gamma globulin and serum albumin are both products of a single blood donation. Gamma globulin, GG, is the medicine which prevents the crippling effects of polio. And serum albumin is the medicine used on the battlefield to sustain life in the wounded. These two miracle medicines are derivatives of our blood, but the process of extracting them is expensive. Your Red Cross has increased its budget this year to finance the project. So, parents, when you contribute to the 1953 Red Cross Fund Appeal, remember the boys in Korea, the child in your own home and the child across the street, and give generously, won't you? And mothers, perhaps you can encourage others to give that a child may walk that a soldier may live. Answer the call. Contribute generously to the 1953 Red Cross Fund Appeal. Now, back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Hold it. They are coming back for us. Look, get up the stairs. Then out to their car and wait. They'll probably come down the outside stairs. All right, but how about you? I'll think... Uh, wait, here's an empty wine bottle. Go on, hurry. Be careful, Steve. Be careful. Yeah, yeah. Hold it, Buster. Feel my gun in your back? See? Si. Blow you wide open if you try anything now. Drop your gun, quick. Kick it to one side. Okay, now call your buddy. Tell him to get down here. I... You heard me call him. Rodriguez! Si, what is it? Come down here! What is it, Jose? You told me to stay in the car. It's a trap. What? You're so right. You have no gun. It is a bottle. Sure is. Have a drink. Let's go. Hey, 
take a few assorted back streets out of the village, then head for Tony's hometown, Coimbra. It's morning when we arrive. She directs me to the house of her uncle, Sebastian. It's quite a layout. He's apparently the money man of the family, and he's been taking care of her sick father. Ah, Tony, it's so good to see you. Papa's better? Of course, of course. He's gotten the best of care. I do not know how to thank you. For my own brother, I need thanks? No, Tony. I'm the one to say thanks to Senior Mitchell for getting you home to us. Well, as long as things are pretty much in order on this end, I think I'd better be getting along. What? No. I insist you join the family for breakfast. You have met none of them. Thanks, but I want to talk to the authorities. Could you tell me where the police station is, Sebastian? Of course. It's on the south side of the plaza in the center of town. Police Captain Rio's in charge. You say that Antonina actually arranged for her own deportation back here to Portugal? That's right, Captain Rio. She figured she might as well. The outfit which was using her kept holding it over her head, and she didn't want to do any more of their dirty work for them. Yes. But I do not understand why this envelope they give her to deliver contained dental x-rays. You and me both, Captain. Also, I don't understand why they tried to grab her back in that village. Mm. Well, in any event, you have delivered her safely home now. Your job is finished. I'm afraid not, Captain Rios. I've got to find out what's behind all this. You see, we know that the gent bossing the deal is head of a recognized subversive group back in the United States. Now, my job is to find out what he's up to. I see. Uh, what will be your next step, then? There you've got me. They probably won't try to grab her again as long as she's with the rest of her family at her Uncle Sebastian's. Wait a minute. Maybe that's the answer. Uh, what is? Captain, if Tony and her uncle will cooperate, I'd like to set up a little trap. Just may endanger Tony's life. I don't think so, Sebastian. Look, Captain Rios has arranged for an empty apartment in town. There's a garage in the basement, and he and a police sergeant are waiting in the apartment. The plan is for you to take me there? Yeah, real conspicuous-like, so anybody can follow us. Once inside, the police sergeant takes you down the back stairs to the basement and drives you back here. I'll leave by the front entrance and then double around the block and in the back. Rios and I will wait in the apartment and see who turns up. I don't know. Tony is safe here with her family. To help you in your plan, she might not be safe. Look, Sebastian, this is our best chance of luring this outfit into the open so we can grab them, find out what's behind it, and put them out of business. Tony won't really be safe until we do. But, uh... Please, Uncle Sebastian, I am willing. Yeah, very well. You have my permission. It's nightfall when I drive Tony to the apartment. Captain Rios and the sergeant are waiting inside in the dark. We turn on the lights, and Tony walks back and forth in front of the window a couple of times. Then the sergeant sneaks her down the back stairs. I leave by the front and double around the block to the back. Rios and I wait. Pretty soon we hear steps in the hall, someone fumbling at the door. We jerk it open. It's my sergeant. Hey, he's been beat up. Our plan's gone cockeyed. And they've got the girl. We head for the police station and throw out a dragnet. Then, half an hour later... Hello, Steve. Tony! Are you all right? Yes. What happened? When the sergeant took me to the basement, he was attacked suddenly. A man grabbed him and forced me into the car. He drove me to an alley and questioned me. Then he released me. What? Yes, just like that. What did he ask you? He wanted to know how much I had told the police. I said I had told them it was dental x-rays in the envelope I was to deliver back to the United States. And then he told me to get out of the car and drove off. Well... Well, Mitchell, what do you make of that? Huh? The only thing I make of it is that I'm more in the dark than ever. At this point, a 
looks like the outfit I'm bucking is pretty sure of itself. I decide to put through a transatlantic phone call to the commissioner. I sure am, commissioner. Cortez's outfit's up to something, but I don't know what. It doesn't make sense. They make Tony deliver an envelope of dental x-rays to a guy on a street corner. Dental x-rays? That's right. On her way, a guy tries to grab the envelope. A passerby comes to a rescue. A guy named Podesta, I think. Yeah, Eduardo Podesta. She continues on her way and delivers... Wait a minute. This passerby. Did you say Eduardo Podesta? Yeah. Why? The name ring a bell? A fire alarm. A very important Italian diplomat has spent three weeks in this country incognito for some secret talks. He's been traveling under the name Eduardo Podesta. Oh, brother, where is he now? En route back to Europe. Matter of fact, his plane's due at Lisbon in less than an hour. From there, he'll continue by boat to Italy. Commissioner, this deal just started adding up at last. I'll check with you later. How fast can I get to Lisbon, Captain Rios? Mm, the Army can fly you there in about 40 minutes. Good. Uh, Sergeant, get me Colonel Menta on the telephone, please. Sir. And now, Mitchell, suppose you tell me what this is all about. Huh? The dental x-rays were just a smokescreen. The whole deal was rigged so they could find out the name an Italian diplomat was traveling under. That way, they could find out what plane he was on and grab him on the way home. You mean they had one of their own men arranged to attack her when Podesta was in the vicinity? Sure. He must have had a habit of taking walks at night. Their timing was perfect. He gave his name to the policeman. Tony overheard it. And later, when they questioned her, she told them the name. Now, they're probably waiting in Lisbon for his plane to land. But you know something? They're going to have company. plane to Lisbon, we radio ahead and start the ball rolling. By the time we get there, everything's in order, according to Colonel Menta, who's in charge of the arrangements. The civilian plane carrying Podesta is landing now. He has been alerted by radio. That black sedan will pick him up at the plane, then drive into the tree-line road at the edge of the field. You will be waiting there. You will take Podesta's place in the car. I will pick up Podesta. You and your driver will be armed. The rest is up to you. I go over to the tree-lined road. So far, everything's just dandy. That is, until I feel a gun barrel in my back. Stand still, Mitchell. What? Uncle Sebastian? Yes. So you're the ringleader. Sure, that explains how the outfit knew that Tony was an illegal entry. You tipped them off so they could use her. Exactly. Some uncle. Ah, that should be Podesta's car approaching now. Step out and flag it down. I want his briefcase. That will tell us what went on in those secret talks. Move. Sebastian stays in the trees, his gun pointed at me. I step out onto the road. The driver sees me and slows down. Suddenly, I motion him on. Stop it! Keep going! The car roars ahead. I dive across the road in front of it just in time. Sebastian's taken by surprise. After it roars by, he runs out onto the road, and I meet him halfway. Mitchell, you... I'll take the gun. Thanks. Well, Sebastian, looks like you and your buddies just aren't going to get a peek at that little briefcase. You, you fool... To throw yourself across in front of an automobile that way. That's nothing. Back home, we've got thousands of people who can do that. A nation of madmen. Could be, but we call them pedestrians. Our star, Brian Donlevy, will return in just a moment. Now that spring is officially here, more and more of us will be getting out of doors and away from our living rooms during our leisure moments. And as the call of warmer weather takes you out of doors, once again we remind you that wherever you go, there's radio. So if you find your pleasure through a day at the beach, 
If your outdoor living means a ride into the country, or if your enjoyment of spring weather comes from digging in your garden, remember that you can take your radio entertainment with you wherever you go. And radio offers the finest in music, drama, mystery, comedy, and up-to-the-minute news. More than 22 and one-half million automobiles are now equipped with car radios. For Americans everywhere know that radio entertainment is fine entertainment. And remember, too, you can read and listen to the radio at the same time. Consult your local newspaper listings for the schedules of great programs this NBC station offers, and then set your dial here. Whether you're at home or away, for the finest in listening enjoyment. Next week, the Caribbean, a race that turns into a dead heat. And that will be Steve Mitchell's dangerous assignment next week. Featured in tonight's cast were Bill Conrad, Virginia Gregg, Harry Bartell, Tony Barrett, Ralph Moody, John Storm speaking. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe and is directed by Bill Carn. Be with us again next week at this time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another transcribed Dangerous Assignment. Each weekday, hear One Man's Family on NBC. Dangerous Assignment with Assignment in Portugal, starring Brian Donlevy, from March 25, 1953. Also in the cast, Herb Butterfield, William Conrad, Virginia Gregg, Tony Barrett, and Ralph Moody, as heard over NBC. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 52 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 52 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two Western episodes of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune us in next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>